Hello, welcome to Agile World. Hello, Sabrina. And uh, who are you today? A queen of hearts or the, the queen of all hearts? Remember, Lady Bruce. Oh, dear. Lady Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Sorry about that, everyone. Uh, <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And we have a guest today. It's uh, Evelyn. Hello, Evelyn. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. How are you both? Great, thank you. And uh, I actually know Evelyn from working with a previous client, but I won't name names. No. Um, but it was a it was a very for me a very long engagement uh, for you. I, I believe you you managed to find the tunnel, get through it, and run like crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was with the client for uh, a number of years. I had moved into that particular piece of work um, after being there for a few years. And then after about uh, six months, I, uh, as you said, I had the opportunity to run out and I did, you know, <laughs> with the dust settling in the background. And uh, yeah, did, took some time out, had a little bit of reflection and then got back on the saddle and kept on going forward and servicing other clients and having quite a cool journey actually. Oh so t tell, tell us about your uh, agile journey or your ways of working or. So it's interesting because um, agility you know I think agility is very much the mindset more than the tools the techniques the frameworks but that is also dependent on who you're speaking to. So um, I didn't appreciate that actually I was starting to play with agility and with lean and thinking in an agile kind of way in around uh, 2012, uh, part of a separation um, uh, program where it was being divested and we had very uh, tight deadlines. And if we didn't uh, move across in a particular timeline, uh, we would the client would be getting charged a lot of money every day. So it was that kind of environment. And uh, there was also an ask of figuring out how to make OPEX savings during the delivery cycle, which at the time, many people were like, that's impossible. I mean, it's impossible. That doesn't exist, right? And uh, I do, do, just, do you just want to say what OPEC is for people that don't know? Sure. It's your, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's your uh, operational costs. Yep. So you have a, a project cost. And you, so how can you make savings, like real actual savings whilst you're developing something new? Um, so from there, I started to find savings and other program deliveries by avoiding risk, avoiding delays. And then um, I took on another program of work, large impact, waterfall, but using small A techniques. Um, and uh, from that, I was appointed into this role where I met you and I was uh, playing uh, the role of a delivery lead um, slash scrum master. Um, it was quite a senior role, uh, but uh, I then realized that agility is a little more than a mindset and a bit of lean. Um, I started to realize, oh, there's this entire world, you know, which is safe and less and scrum and Kanban and then agile coaches. And I was a little bit blown away. <laughs> I was a little bit blown away and suffered massive imposter syndrome. <laughs> for so, a but you, you, you had a practical implementation. You had done the work, but what you'd actually walked into was a bunch of theory and control mechanisms. Which I didn't know how to work in that space. Yeah. Um, I had phenomenal success. I mean, I was appointed into the role. I was asked to join. And then I was, and I was under the impression that I would have been given the support to mm. grow and learn about the techniques, knowing mm. that I had all this other gifts 
to bring to the space, but that didn't happen. Um, and I was quite surprised because I, in my particular team, I was working with a lot of senior seasoned agile coaches and I was a little overwhelmed. And when I exited, I did think to myself, what just happened? Is it me or is it them? But thankfully, within that space, I met someone very special. May I name his name? Yeah, sure. Martin Burns, the legend that is. My, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he literally took me by the scruff of the neck and pulled me out of, I think, water where I was drowning and basically said, it's not you. It's not you. Everything you're trying to do is absolutely right. You're not giving me the space. They're not, you're not receiving the space and try something else somewhere else. It'll probably be- So, so I, I think it's worth saying that that environment was more consultancy than coaching. And in a pure play consultancy world, it's, uh, you know, you're successful by the number of knives you have in your back already, <laughs> uh, because actually you've made enough enemies. I, and I think that's uh, in that particular uh, contract engagement, um, that was the people who did well were the people who were used to blue chip consultancy, mm -hmm. uh, because it had been structured that way. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I've had similar circumstances, similar situations where I've gone into a business and the, the change hasn't been wanted. They've brought you in for change, but actually they don't want the change and they push you back or they put so many things in front of you that is actually making sure that you can't make those changes. And imposter syndrome does come out. You know, you do start to think, am I good enough am I doing the right thing am I experienced enough am I worthy it can come out quite easily when it isn't actually you and I'm glad someone grabbed you and showed you it's not actually you because it, it, it that can actually really um hurt someone not just in their career but actually advancing in their career mm -hmm. so I think one space we've got here is we're all agile coaches here so we've all got very similar experiences and we've all had these ups and downs and you do sometimes take on a client that isn't ready for it or thought they're ready for it and, so, so I just need to give some context the actual issue wasn't the client Oh. The actual issue was other agile coaches and agile delivery people because of a sense of uh, priority and ownership. Um, and and so it's very territorial. And, and it's like that. Hmm. I mean, I've, I've recently been working with um, a set of agile coaches together as a team. And at the very beginning, you know, we were great friends. We got on well with each other, but we struggled to deliver anything. And as agile coaches, it's like, it's ridiculous. We should be the best deliverers as possible. We actually worked out after a few months that actually we were doing something called sheepdogging each other because we were all agile coaches. What do we do for a living? We coach, we train, we advise, but we were coaching and training and advising each other. So we were going round and round in circles. <laughs> and it wasn't until we kind of stepped back and we had a very deep retrospective, a deep personal retrospective with, with each other. And we kind of realize, well, actually, this is Sabrina's strong point, and this is his mm. strong point. And, this is the, and then we said, well, actually, let's learn from each other, but not constantly coach and train each other. Mm. And let someone on occasion take control, and we kind of are the deliverers, and then, then change it around. But it took us several months to realize it. And when we did that, we became an absolutely amazing team. But 
I think it happens quite a lot, you know, it's, in environments. It, it's, it's actually very common. So from, I, I, I am really actually grateful I went through that experience because some, you know, when you're successful, that's great, but actually you gain phenomenal learnings when something doesn't go well. And so from that experience, mm -hmm. I had a, a great opportunity to learn what not to do. Yeah. I also made a, prom a promise to myself that as a coach, I would, would do my best for somebody not to suffer imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome is a psychological experience of going through a change. And if I did a lot of study around what actually happens to the brain and how the brain has to practice something 70 times before they take it on as, um, as their own habit and why I then understood why frameworks and tools are important because it lets you practice this new behavior, but please do not forget that it's, there is a new behavior, there's a new mindset, there's a new thinking, but yeah. you need to practice it, right? So from the experience, it was great. I also decided that from it to take a step down because it was a new discipline. I was in old world, very much old world, coming into new world. And I said, you know, it's new. Uh, why don't I just take on team level? And what was great was um, I joined a phenomenal consulting company. I do want to name their name. Is it okay? Is it yeah, yeah, sure. Of course yeah. you can. Publicist Sapient. I love them. Uh, number one digital transformation house in the world. Um, I am their number one fan. Uh, so I, I, I love them. Anyway, a, I joined. Uh, somebody, my boss at the time, took a chance on me. And he said, I see something in you. Are you comfortable with training and with coaching? And I, and I, thought, to myself, I thought to myself, that's quite funny, considering I came from a space where I felt like I was useless. So I said, well, why don't we start with me just scrum mastering the team? And then from there, let's see what happens. And then from that, 10 days into the job, I was able to help the team pull together a show and tell pack where they landed the message in front of 100 people where I was facilitating to the point that the program director was so impressed that he came over to have a chat with us and a chat with me. We then did the same thing. Uh, that was in the April, I would say five months later in the September, where I kind of got a little known for the work because it just blew everybody's brains away. It's not only where it was a digital transformation, but not only were we doing digital, we we're also showing how we can optimize flow using agile techniques and tools. And the business rep came to the show and tell and spoke and said, this is amazing. I had people in the business size telling me this is impossible. You can't do this. And now they're asking me for their help to, to push something into the backlog to get something done because they can't spin it up and, and resolve the issue fast enough. He was like, this is awesome. And the head of the program was just like, oh my God, that's outstanding. What, what I learned from their technique was uh, the optimization of flow. So that's your lean. Uh, mm -hmm. Through understanding your flow uh, to identify your systemic issues. So that's your key areas of blockage or fat. You don't have to fix all your blockages of fat. Just know them so then you can prioritize them. So then you can start doing that least amount of work for highest impact that everyone talks about. And you have that control. You have that visibility. And to help you 
create that prioritization, know exactly what to go for, find that diamond in the rough, is mm -hmm. to create ultimate alignment with a set of objectives, OKRs, meaningful measurements, you know, like what um, uh, Mike Burroughs mentions, meaningful measurements, don't just measure anything for the sake of measuring, but have it so it makes sense, which your business, your product owner can sign up to, whereby it's not being done to them, they're doing it themselves and you're just coaching and guiding them to get to a point where they go, this is so awesome. Thank you so much. Like, So oh did you, with the, with the teams, did they start to suggest metrics themselves? Um, the, the metrics, with one specific area, the metrics was created by the program. There are 23 unique metrics and it was up to them. They decided which metrics they were going to work on. Okay. Um, and so they had full autonomy as to, in our space, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Another one, ABC. Then, and then. So, so OKRs are kind of based around an idea that at the top of the house, they, there are some things they need to find out. So though, though I can understand people creating them, but uh, within the teams that deliver, uh, aligning those to um, actual data it can be quite difficult and actually the did you did you encounter or create a challenge mechanism against the okrs so that people could create new ones uh so in another space we created ones that were meaningful for that space but because they did a lot of thinking these 23 kpis that aligned nicely to the four okrs and the four okrs were very open they were actually aligned to a, an an ideal one was quality mm -hmm. the other one was speed the other one was okay. value and the other one was people. So it's very open. Yeah. Right? So they're not, they're not like tightly defined OKRs based around notions of market or value. They're actually based around high level concepts of uh, organizational constructs. And because okay. it was, yeah. And because it was a digital transformation, it was all about how can you improve your quality? So reduce your number of defects. How can you speed up the flow by automating or improving your, your, uh, your flow by how you work together or people factor, you know, things are now working, things are now releasing. We were looking at building a pipeline, which they were working on, uh, where they could release in governance safely 10 times a day mm -hmm. um, as an average. And this was in a large financial. So uh, very, very impressive. From a digital perspective, I've never seen anything like it. And when it came to the applying agile methodology with a systematic mindset, which I got to learn when using digital tools, I got to create optimize, like, I'll give an example, just using agile methods, scrum with a little bit of concept of pre-planning for a release, a certain amount of money, one feature team. Uh, they had uh, for seven changes uh, from May to September, they had a co their cost allocated was 450K. They managed to do those seven changes, exactly the seven changes they needed, including resolving an FCA uh, risk faster, resolving customer needs faster, fantastic. And they did it 25% less than budget which allowed them to then go forward because they then got even faster and better after working a while together uh, to release another 11 changes to the end of the year. That's, that's why we're doing this, right? Yeah. And of course, when I took the team on a journey and it started off 
project manager becoming a scrum master, business owner uh, becoming a product owner, uh, getting the team working together, challenging certain things that they learned from Scrum, but aligning it and going back to the basics of the Agile Manifesto, like, okay, in this flow, in this space, you can't release a product that can be consumed by a customer by the end of the sprint, but you can complete something. You can complete a step that allows you to then finish. And then, so that's okay. Create an enabler that delivers a piece of functionality in a later sprint. Exactly. So this, when, when the, and, when show and tells happen, it's not my story. I try to get the teams to tell their story. I've just helped facilitate and facilitate it and bring that story together. Um, the project manager said to everyone, when I was a project manager, uh, I felt quite lonely. Everything was on my shoulders. Now as a scrum master, I feel like I have a team and the load is shared and it's just so much more enjoyable. And that was just, that was just a gift. Yeah, yeah but it's really great to hear that you come from a project manager background into a scrum master, because if you think when it goes to mindsets, as a project manager, you're technically a dictator, not in a nasty way, but you are a dictator as a role as a project manager. But as a role as a scrum master, you're a facilitator, two complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And it is very rare that someone can actually transition from mm-hmm. that dictatorship to a facilitation ship. And, and right. it is rare. I get a lot of project. I get a lot of companies that say we want to turn our project managers into scrum masters. And the first thing I say to them is, we need to work on the mindset first because you can't have a project manager or a scrum master turning around saying, "Just do this," and then that's how you do it in this yeah. time. It's extremely. And I, I had that experience. I moved from I was originally leadership, and then I, I took redundancy and I went and did my scrum master certification. And my trainer actually said to me, Sabrina, I don't think you'd be a very good scrum master. She said, because you haven't changed your mindset. You're still in that dictator mindset from being in leadership. You're still used to saying, just go away and do this. Or can you just do this? Or this is how it needs to be done. Or this is what I wanted. Where really you need to speak to people in a different way of, you know, getting them to understand what you want without you telling them what to do. And I took that personally as a challenge. When someone says, I can't do something, I'm like, right. You've I think that's me. interesting that you, you so I mean, I, I actually describe Scrum Masters as the butlers of the project yeah. because uh, you, you see the impact of them, but you don't see them because uh, I mean, I, I, I was a Scrum Master for six years before I actually did a certification in it. I was just interested in it and it worked. And uh, my job was to promote the team each as a, as a whole team, but each individually to be the stars to make them the stars and to be recognized as the stars. Um, and, well, it's, it's, but it's that kind of thing. It's, it's um, you know, going back years ago, I was involved in an engineering practice and uh, we won, we were working in JIT just in time production. Well, it's a long time ago, uh, imported from Japan, which didn't really work very well, but the, my engineering team won an award and we gave it to the production team because they did all the actual work. I mean, we just, we put it together in a format where they could make it, but they did an amazing job making yeah. it. And so we, this was an international award that we won and we gave it to another part of the organization because actually it wouldn't have been possible to win it without them delivering. And this is, this that's my mindset around, people that do the work 
uh, and this whole we need to invert the pyramid. You know, the 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 fifty developers or the five thousand developers are making the money to pay for everyone else that's in the building. <laughs> yeah, um, I I completely agree. It's something that I'm dealing with right now um, with my current client, which. Um, is very different. It's a challenging environment because uh, the nature of it, and I can't mention where, where it is. It's just, it wouldn't be right. It is what it is, but it's also a phenomenal opportunity. Mm. And the team, it's about celebrating the team. I'm a great believer in celebrating. There's a balance of celebrating the team as well as the individual. So yeah. everybody wants to feel special, but then we all need to feel good together also. So like it's a, the balance of the love. I just want to finish touching upon that, the adjustment of moving from a scrum master to a project manager. I came up with this little cute, neat thing um, of the journey. Cause it's, when I mentioned earlier on, it's the, you, you need to practice to allow your brain to make that adjustment in your, in, in your mind. It's in the limbic brain. You have to practice it 70 times. So uh, one of the ways I try to take people on a journey so it's not like this massive impact, <gasps> oh my God, you know, imposter syndrome, is I map out what they're doing now. Okay, project matter, what do you do? Oh, uh, you deal with risks and issues. Okay, so you do reporting. Okay, 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 okay. Right, Scrum Master, right. So you still need to be mindful of this, but you don't have, you know, you're not actually meant to own it, you facilitate it, okay? So somebody else owns it, but you still do a lot of the same. So you don't have to forget everything you're doing. This, okay, you you still, you can actually share this load with the team. And when I do it like that, it, it actually says 50% of the stuff you're still did before will be useful in the new way. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. more of understanding that um, instead of the, the, the flow, and this is another way I describe it, is the facilitator allows for that conversation. The product owner is I want, the team is the how, and the scrum master is actually the master of scrum. You, will, you create, you allow for, you help set up a mechanism to allow for that flow to happen. You serve, but you lead. But be mindful, you are in a position to, you own that process. You can, if the process is not working and the, the team need help to call out and say, okay, I'm going to step in and as an advisor, as an expert in the space, I will help make that adjustment for you. Let's try it. If you are struggling, if you can figure it out, that happens. And that happens when there's a lot of pressure to deliver. Mm -hmm. A lot of crunch time and the system one, system two brain doesn't work, right? Too much, it's right. So you help them a little bit, but then over time, as the mechanism starts to work and the pressure starts to flow down, then you let that, then that creative thinking comes out and then you step back and you start eating popcorn. It's wonderful. So, so that, that is the dream of, of uh, the scrum master, isn't it? That ultimately uh, the team will self-serve the backlog after it becomes second nature to them. And what the uh, Scrum Master does then is just finesse. But I've never seen it. <laughs> um, have you done it? Okay, well, I'm definitely Always. hiring you. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm an accelerated. I'm, I'm, uh, so uh, when I, I um, I'll give an example. Because I'm always put into situations that are awkward. 
a very like there it's a burning platform uh the environment <laughs> hasn't been set up correctly uh oh by the way they just decided this current client to go safe did they do any of the foundational work to educate leadership or to like <laughs> no that's what we do on you know we you know, love it yeah, yeah. Like when I first, oh no, no. But this, this is why the first few weeks I was like a deer in headlights and was struggling to breathe. Is because the dates were set, so we're re kind of retrofitting as well. So, so, so I'm going to teach you the magic word. It's called adjusted governance. Adjusted. I'm writing that down. Adjusted governance is what you need. So the um, the governance that organisations have is set in place to stop organizational and work-based change uh, and so people will actively work against everything you're doing but be in the right and there's more likelihood of you getting fired than them because they have governance on their side so you need to get adjusted governance uh, and, a, a, and a partition of space where you can do these experiments to work out how it can work best otherwise you're going to get major problems well i learned i learned that lesson i learned a lesson that if there isn't that buy-in from the senior leadership mm -hmm. so this was a previous so where i am now is lovely it's a great opportunity lovely team interesting work i'm i'm having fun knitting right i call it knitting right now not carving because carving is very transformational this is more the start of the pre-transformation knitting trains specifically. yeah a lot of fun before that, I was with a consulting company who I had a phenomenal experience as a contractor servicing a client. It was wonderful. Another beautiful. I, I learned also with Publicis Sapien the concept of exponential growth for uh, pure acceleration, which not only supports the work, but also the influencing. And as you know, it's all about the influencing. So if, yep. if you can imagine a train of 25 people, like this little small baby adoption, uh, the entire area knew about us. The MD knew about us. Head uh, Group Cloud knew about us, head of architecture, head of digital, and it went all the way up to the CEO minus two hearing about the work. Now that's impressive influencing just because a lot of people were starting to go, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, back to the, interesting enough, back to the original client where I first had my first proper, true, full-on agile experience with the tools and frameworks, which was difficult and a little painful, positive too, because I met people like Carl and Martin, what have you. But you know, not as successful as I would have wanted it to be to then go back a few years later and have the, a fantastic journey, which was incredible. At that point, I was sponsored into the company and uh, I had it, it was great. I was so excited. I was so honored. But the CEO chose not to meet with me. And I was surprised because I thought, but well, you've, you, you've signed off my contract. You're, you're actually paying me a lot of money to do this role and uh and you're mm, okay at the time I was naive and I thought it's okay I'll show to him I I was an experiment okay I was mm -hmm. sponsored by key leaders in the business but he just wanted to see he wasn't quite sure you know so he just and then COVID hit and then I raised a wrist against my own uh <laughs> role 
and said, you're going to have to fire me if I can't build business because I'm expensive and I cut it. I mean, duty of care to my client. I'm still right, very responsible. So I uh, took a few months and they said, okay, we're going to leave with an open door. They called me back a month and a half later and said, we would like to have you back slightly different just because business wide, but still still coaching, actually coaching in-house, impactful. And I said, can I meet with the CEO now? Well, he, he signed off the contract, but no, I, you know, and I, you know, actually the words were he's part of the problem. And I said, I can't because uh, my role, I'm not coaches. And this is a learning from industry. Coaches are not actually meant to drive the change form uh, transformational perspective it's meant to be leadership culture starts with leadership mm. and so um, doesn't matter how good a coach I am if I'm not a hundred percent aligned with the ultimate leader of or the ultimate leader of the area or what have you then the minute that leader steps into the room and says something that isn't aligned to what I am doing and even if I'm coaching one person or an area or what have you who's going to be at risk I am. And yeah. what's even worse is the, uh, the area is going to get confused. And then that confusion is going to create that negative feeling. And then all the good work is going to go, you know, down the drain. And so you, the, the heart starts to break. So I actually consciously chose during a pandemic not to go back to work, which I still go, I must have been crazy. But it's the right thing to do. I mean, yeah. in the, the, the project that we met on, I raised a level one risk against the program that we were working on because oh, wow. <laughs> and I at that point I had 1.4 million uh, in spend available after doing weighted shortest job first for the work still needed to be done but it had so many complex dependencies I didn't think it could be done and I also didn't have any confidence in the other work that needs to be done either that it would deliver the outcomes so I raised a level one risk uh, and then uh, the risk was accepted and, and they decided that they would uh, run with that risk. And that's a, that's a common thing with risk. Is if, you don't, if you don't respond to those risks, that's when you get a visit from the regulators. So yeah. that they, they, managed, they managed the risk and just accepted that they would get what they would get from it. Um, but I left within about four weeks of, of, after that because it was, it was clear that there, you know, there was no desire to pivot um, and to focus on actually delivering value. Um, and you know, I, 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 I don't exist on this earth just to ream money from clients. I exist to deliver value to stakeholders and to investors and to the markets because these people, these are people's pensions, these are people's futures. Yeah. Um, so it's it's um, it's a very strange situation. There was I could have stayed there for another year, mm. um, but but I couldn't stay in conscience. Yeah, your soul. Like, so what I learned also, and this is what I men had mentioned before we started the interview, is that, you know, I, I love and believe in agility on a mm -hmm. very deep philosophical level. I remember once I finally fully understood the Agile Manifesto because it's, it's such a real, I don't even know if the, the guys who signed it off and created it really understood how deep and meaningful it really is because you can write, you could do an entire degree on it and um, it's, it's so powerful. I brought agility, agility home. I brought it home. I run my own Kanban now. Uh, it helped improve my relationships with my partner, with my family, with myself. 
I started to stop stressing if something wasn't done. I would start saying, oh, if it's one thing to do, just do one thing. I started to get things done better uh, to the point that, as I said, I did Project Wedding via Kanban at the Balmoral Hotel, which is a five-star rated, you know, amazing hotel in Edinburgh. And the next day they told me that it was the best wedding, that the best planned wedding that they've ever experienced and that if I ever wanted a job. <laughs> and you I know said, what? That sounds really funny. Actually, you say that because one, we we said this before when we we're off camera, and I said you had to bring this on camera. One, I I did the same. I can band my wedding. Um, I also I I'm a full believer in personal agility. Um, and I always I've even trained my mother. My mother that has never worked in any sort of IT industry or anything. She's actually you know run my father's company for years before she retired and I even taught her the process on how it takes away stress I, I find there's moments when I'm stressed and or my husband's stressed with his business and the first thing I always say to him is right let's write on post-it notes one by one what needs to be done let's prioritize those post-it notes one by one just taking it out of your brain and even simplistically writing it onto that post-it note actually relieves stress and I remember coaching my bridesmaids what Kanban was and trying to convince them I am not being bridezilla by asking you to move a post-it note I swear to you it worked because I, I was luckily in my situation I wasn't bridezilla my husband was actually groomzilla um but yeah <laughs> he was groomzilla and he knows I tell everyone this he was groomzilla and um, yeah, it works. It works in everything. I've Kanban. Did, did you have a little girl with post-it notes at the ceremony? I love it. <laughs> oh, I should have. I should have. I actually heard a friend of mine who was a contractor actually somehow charged his whole wedding to his company by actually putting boards around his wedding with his company name. And he made out it was a conference slash wedding and charged it back to his own company. I like yeah, I, I think maybe HMRC might have a view on the, all of that. I'm not sure that grassing him up live online is uh, quite our role. I've not said any names. You know who he is, and it was not me who did it. But yeah, but yeah, I should have. I did have post-it notes while I was getting ready with my wedding dress. So I did kind of post-it note and getting my hair done. This is what I'm doing it that way, and I was moving them. Yeah, now I now I wonder why I was given post-it notes as a gift. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 bother with a toaster. Just give us some post-it notes and a, um... a good gift. <laughs> okay, so this is a question for, a for Sharpie. Do you find at Christmas you will receive sharpies and post-it notes? Because I get them constantly. I love it. Best gift ever. No, um, I have cats and uh, my friends, uh, and they're not allowed to buy me anything really cat related because I refuse to wear like a top saying crazy cat lady or, but they tend <laughs> to get me things that have something with cats on it, like socks. So they know I, so I said like, I like woolly cats. So, so guess what? I got really nice socks with cats on it. And so they do things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so no, they don't do the post-its and the Sharpies because I just have tons of it. So they're like, why, why buy her that? But uh, I do enjoy getting gifts from other agile friends, you know, like I, uh, the, planning poker, um, other cards, other gifts, books. Oh, I yeah. love it. I'm like, 
bring it bring it on so i'm always open to receiving a gift yeah i've got a similar problem my husband has banned anything dash hound related because i have two little mini dash hounds so i'm not allowed to buy anything dash hound related but i am allowed to receive it <laughs> well there's a so, hint if ever i heard yes, one yes. so i am allowed to receive dash hound related memorabilia but i'm not allowed to and uh, we'll be placing her address okay. just below <laughs> to, to send all of your dash hound related toys please send me a puppy because i want another one <laughs> that's another discussion i'm having with my husband that i'd like another oh, dear. one um, I, I, I'm getting the feeling before this turns into um, a list of things that Sabrina wants free through the post that maybe we, we've come to an end. Um, thank you so much, Evelyn. That was just brilliant. Really, really interesting. And, and we'd love to have you back again as well, because uh, it's it's depth of knowledge with application. It's not just theory with you. It's not theory with us either, but it's 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 to have that that discourse around what we learnt, not just from uh, what we got from the books. So thank yeah. you so much. That was my, brilliant. My greatest pleasure. And thank you for inviting me along. I really enjoyed it. It was super. Oh, no, thank you ever so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.